Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm Keith. We're back again to talk about the Dunlap Champions Club. You've heard us give this pitch before, but we're going to go ahead and throw another fastball at you because the Dunlap Champions Club is where you should be each and every Florida State home game. If you've never tried it, you've got to do it at least once. You do it one time, you'll be hooked. It comes with shade. That's key. It comes with chair backs. It comes with all the food you can eat which Keith and I don't need, but that is one of the perks of it. But it's a really good experience, and many of you have been in there socially, maybe outside of a game, so you've seen the space. Some of you still haven't been in the space. You need to call and take a tour. The ability to watch the game from your chair, to go inside where it's cool, to get food, to get drink, to see people and and socialize to whatever degree, that's important to you. Dozens and dozens of televisions on the wall. You won't miss anything. Plus, you can look out the glass and see from from, uh, the fourth floor. Again, it's a place you ought to go and give it a chance. For your tickets, for a tour, for more information, 644-1830. And now, without further ado, Front Row Knowles, first look. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles First Look with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you for the last time. uh, This rendition, this season anyway, of Front Row Knowles First Look which uh, in the case of this show is really going to be look back, not first look. But, Keith, there's so much to to unpack here. You're a guy that put blood, sweat, and tears into the program. So at the the start, I guess the winning seasons and the bowl streak going bye-bye is probably where you would like to vent or get some things off your chest. Well, it's certainly disappointing. Um, And uh, I think all of Seminole Nation – uh, is experiencing that uh, when this team came out and 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 played the way they did against Boston College, particularly in the second half against Boston College, to get the record to five and six, you, you you're thinking you're going into a rivalry game, you're going into a game that you know you're you're starting to tick up a little bit, and then to have the outcome be what it is, um, I think disappointing, and I think Coach Taggart uh, echoed that. I think that's what everybody feels, um, and it's frustrating. Because uh, as we, you and I talked about on our show on Wednesday, and we talked about it in the pregame, you know, you got to live with this for 364 days. The rest of the nation may not be paying attention to this, but but people in Florida do, particularly fans in Florida, and particularly the the middle aged and older fans, both on the FSU side and the University of Florida side. So uh, disappointing, uh, frustrating, and you got to live with it. So you you make do with what it is, and. Um, you know, it's it's going to be a long year uh, within that framework. Now's not the time uh, that we can appreciate it, but I did see uh, somebody comment that, you know, it takes losing something to appreciate what it truly was. So we'll continue the conversation about the current state of Florida State football. But it's still the longest bowl streak in college football history at 36 years. And to get 41 straight winning seasons, which finishes one shy of the all-time record of 42 straight held by Notre Dame, I guess just speaks to the magnitude and the success level Florida State has enjoyed that we've all enjoyed over the years, which is why, frankly, we don't know how to react right now. Well, we're certainly spoiled by success. Uh, I think you can even rationalize, and it's probably not a stretch, but you know, even the, the consecutive winning season, you know, that was by Notre Dame in the 30s and 40s and 50s. That was not in the modern era of uh, which we live right now. So. Florida State with the dynasty, Florida State with the consecutive bowl streak, Florida State with a consecutive winning streak, 
um, you know, in the modern age as it is, certainly continues to position Florida State as being a preeminent program uh, in the modern era. Uh, and, you know, the optimist in you would say, okay, fine, now it's time to start some more streaks. Well, and Florida State has no other choice except to start new streaks. Uh, we'll hear from Coach Willie Taggart momentarily. I do want to just uh, interject that I hate it when I'm right. I did not have a great feel about this game uh, coming into Doe Campbell Stadium on Saturday or even as the week wore on. I felt good after the Boston College game, and as time went on, Keith, I just felt more and more like the BC game was going to be the exception and not the rule in that they played a fairly clean game, tackled well, didn't have too many uh, dumb penalties, and got the win. But I feared that we would revert to what we saw more of this year, and unfortunately, that's what happened. And it began on the first series of the ball game. Uh, Florida State again opting to, after they won the toss, to receive the ball. And I think that's just a bad decision for a lot of different reasons. But nevertheless, that was the decision that was made. And then first play, get a penalty and turn around, and you're, you're on the nine-yard line, first and 18 or whatever it was. And, and Florida State played from behind the rest of the ball game. The result, 41-14. to Florida gets the win. That snaps the five-game winning streak over the Gators. And so FSU finishes 5-7. and seven, And the bowl streak is over. The consecutive winning season streak is over, as is the winning streak over the Florida Gators. Let's listen to Coach Willie Taggart's press conference. We'll bring you more than we normally do, uh, given that this is the end of the season. And this is all courtesy of Seminoles.com. You can listen to even more. of This will be about half the press conference, but you can listen in its entirety on Seminoles.com. So listen in. All right, um, disappointing game, um, disappointing season. Um, I think everybody in that locker room is, is hurting. Um, and um, again, it's, it's unacceptable here at Florida State. Uh, we, I said it before, um, we got a program that pride itself on winning, and, and we didn't get it done. Uh, like I say, very disappointed in our, our just the way we performed today and, and, and throughout the year. We didn't, we didn't get it done, you know, but. Um, uh, we can grow from it, and we will grow from it. And I was brought here to, to, to get this program back right, and that's what we will do is get it back right. Uh, Coach, with the bowl streak and now the season over with, where do you go here, go from uh, here with the program and the football team? Uh, we go back to work. We uh, got recruiting. Um, this contact period is coming up, and um, we got to get out recruiting starting tomorrow. And and make sure we're, if we're getting some really good football players in here to help us turn the program back around. Coach, I'm sure it was uh, tough in the locker room. How does that, how, I mean, basically how tough was it? I mean, you've been in some tough situations before with players, a lot of seasons coming to an end. What was that like in there? It was really tough because of what was at stake, you know, and not, nobody in that locker room wanted to, to be a part of that team that breaks the, the bowl streak and, and um, so it was, it was really tough and um, a lot of tears and, and um, guys guys were hurt. You know, um, we wanted to get it done and we didn't. So um, it's frustrating, disappointing, and again, guys are hurt. Coach, what can you say to the effect of guys like Nyquan Murray, Jacquez Patrick, Alec Everly? It's their last game for many of them. What can what did you say to them? What can you say about their efforts this season? I told them I love them. I told them I love them. I appreciate them. Um, they didn't ask for this change, and, and but they, they bought into what we asked them to do. And those guys, they fought all year to try to help us um, get the program back right. And 
I appreciate every, every single one of them for that because, again, I wasn't the coach that brought them here, but they love this place and, and they bought into it. And uh, again, I'm disappointed we, we didn't finish it the way we wanted to for those guys. Willie, uh, in the second half, the game was still close, and you guys had a penalty after a play that extended a drive uh, in game in week 12. How frustrating is that? I mean, from a guy that's played well this season. Oh, it's, it's very frustrating. Um, it's kind of like throughout the year when we, we had our struggles, we do things that, that cause you to lose lose ball games like that. You know, it's third down. We can already get them off the field, and then we, um, we're not tough enough to walk away. You know, and that's what we got to be. That's what good football teams do. And um, we didn't do that. And again, you look at some of the games that we we lost, and, and the way we lost is we, we were undisciplined. We didn't do the things we needed to. You know, we weren't tough enough to walk away when someone pushes us up, shovels. You know, and that's something we got to learn to do. William, how far do you guys do you feel you guys have to go to get to where you want this program to be? Um, I don't, personally, I don't think it's as far as, as as it may look. You know, I think part of it is, is where we're at in our program, and our program never been in this situation before. So it's, it's something we all going through. Um, I've been through something like this. No one here really has. So um, that part of it is frustrating, you know. But uh, we have some pieces in place. But I think we all see um, our our areas of, of where we need help, and and then we got to fix those things. Coach. Um you obviously with this game you finished 0-3 against the rivals um, 0-2 against the in-state rivals just how important is it to you know fight and take back this state after losing this year no, it's very important and everything we do need to need to be towards uh, winning the state back and, and winning those games you know that's again like I say we have a private program and that's that's what we all here for is to, to live up to those expectations that we have here and it's important that um, Starting with me, um, starting tonight, that I evaluate everything from me, our staff, what we're doing, how we're doing it, and, and making sure we get it back to the way we all want it around here, and, and we will. Penalties have kind of been a theme at time this season. There weren't too many today. There weren't for too much yards today, but just how untimely were they? The illegal shift, wiping out Cam's touchdown, and a couple false starts on key third downs. Well, those, those are the penalties that I, I talked about before. Is, is those are selfish penalties. When you, when you false start, that's selfish. That's something you got to do as an individual to make sure that that doesn't happen. And those things have killed us throughout the season, you know, and um, we got to make sure that we look at within ourselves as coaches and what we're asking them to do, but making sure that we have the players that can, can do, do it and get it done consistently enough. But it's frustrating because they do come at, at the wrong time and we end up beating ourselves or we playing behind the sticks and can't get anything going. So, um, again, it's, it's, it's disappointing. Um, we got to correct it. Coach, how excited are you to have a full recruiting cycle? You were hired with just a couple of months to go until National Signing Day, picked up that class very well. How excited are you now to have a full cycle to go for? Um, well, I think it's really important, you know, again, being here for a year and, and understanding Florida State and, and everything that goes into it and what kind of kids we want in this program um, um, is very important. You know, when I first got here, you didn't, didn't know anything. You just had to go out and, and find some guys, but I know a lot about our program now. and. So um, it makes it not necessarily easy, but you understand what you need and, and um, go out and try to find those pieces that you need. We have to find those pieces that we need, but again, not make sure that we're not just recruiting stars, but we're recruiting good football players, uh, good students, you know, good people um, that come in here that's highly motivated, you know, and that really want to be winners. You know, we got to make sure that we're we're doing that, and you do that by going in and going to their homes and, and finding out everything you can about them, and not just off of him.
Willie, uh, offensive line obviously was a challenge all season. How, how much can you revamp an offensive line, that particular position, in one season? Well, um, I think a lot of it. I think a lot of it has to do with recruiting. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with developing. I think there's some guys that played probably necessarily ready yet, and this experience is going to help them going forward. And some guys going to have a weight uh, another year in the weight room that's going to make them bigger, stronger, and faster. And then, uh, like I said, uh, recruiting you got to go out and recruit the pieces you need to to help you get to where you need to go. And so um, that's going to be a part of a big part of what we're doing. Uh, Coach, on that recruiting note, um, with this situation being how it is and coming off of a losing season that could you know, scare off some recruits, is finding guys who don't get deterred by that kind of thing and kind of buy into the program kind of an important thing for you? Yeah, and I don't think it, it is. Uh, I know from the outside, I might think that because of the way the season is that things won't happen right. Like I say, I've done this before, and we've had really good recruiting classes. Um, after a bad year, but I think a lot of recruiting guys that want to be here and recruiting the right guys, and I think we have a, a, a lot of guys that want to be here, and there's a lot of other guys that want to be here. We got to make sure that it's it's the right guy. And and again, we're at Florida State, and there's a lot of kids that want to play here. So we got to make sure we're getting the right kids, and not just any kid that want to be here. So um, we're going to work, we're going to work, and we're going to find the right guy to come in and help us. Coach, um, most of your losses this year, they haven't been close. It seems like when you guys get down, you just it just continues to pile on. Why do you think that is? A lot of it's mental, you know, and that's part of um, changing the culture and, and to get to that point. You know, um, I said it at the beginning of the year, and the thing I was concerned about with our football team is how we deal with adversity. You know, and I've seen that from afar that we didn't handle that well. And uh, that's a big part of our problem is when things don't go our way, then uh, we didn't respond the right way. We had times where we did this year, and good things happened to us. But there's other times where we didn't, and it was just like the wheels rolled. We fell off. So um, a big part of it is, is, again, our mentality and how we deal with things when they get tough. Again, that's courtesy of Seminoles.com. Keith, uh, Coach Taggart says all the right things. You can see that he truly feels the same things. I mean, he... Uh, he, he feels the way uh, you and I do, people that uh, have more vested in the program in terms of longevity uh, over the years, certainly you more than me with being a former player. Um, but we're going to spend the rest of this show, I guess, talking about what's next more than recapping the game. Or really, I'll, I'll do whatever you, you choose to do, but it feels like that's the better course of action. Well, one, one observation and one comment. Uh, the observation <clears throat> is that Willie says all the right things. There's no question. But He's paid to deliver, and we're a results-driven society. And five wins is not going to get it. And so he knows that. He's got to impress that upon his coaches, who in turn have got to impress it upon the players. And the comment, one of the best comments that came out of his press conference, I thought, and he said it before and I hadn't talked about it much, but being tough enough to walk away I think is a unbelievably profound statement that this group, this particular group, has got to be taught, reinforced, and adopt. Being tough enough to walk away uh, is a huge attitude adjustment that this club is in need of. We'll address the context of that if you missed it uh, when we continue, but uh, I will point out that uh, you should head to trymybank.com to learn more about Prime Meridian Bank. Uh, they've been longtime supporters of our show, and uh, we appreciate that, and you will appreciate them. It's trymybank.com. We'll react to Keith's uh, point when we continue on Front Row Knoll's First Look. 
Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles First Look, Tom and Keith. Uh, this edition, by the way, if it sounds a little bit different than the norm, Keith and I always uh, spend time together after the games in the wee hours. Uh, in the case of after the Florida game, Keith and I are traversing the highways back to Orlando, uh, getting set to call Florida State Villanova basketball. Uh, so some distractions perhaps as we go through this. But anyway, you're doing the hard work, Keith. You're having to talk and drive. I'm just having to sit here. Uh, the, so the, the, the comment or, or the question that was asked was in regard to Stanford Samuels the third on a third down play in which Florida State had stopped the Gators, third and goal situation, and had held them to a field goal attempt. He gets caught reacting, uh, and I didn't see it. Uh, I'm told that it was kind of pushing and shoving, and he punched back or slapped back. I didn't see it. But the bigger point, this has happened all season with lots of different guys, from Noonien to Quandre White, both throwing punches in the Clemson game and getting sat down for the first half the next game, to all kinds of undisciplined 15-yard penalties. And to me, and and I'm trying to, to think, and I'm going a long way here, Keith, but Florida State has long been one of the most penalized teams in the country. So was Miami. And as I think back to the Bobby and Mickey days, there were a lot of 15-yarders, but they were they were penalties of aggression. And maybe you should have pulled up because the guy was six inches out of bounds and you hit him anyway, that kind of thing. But they weren't so much of the somebody just said something to me, so I've got to react and show my manhood. And, and well, in reality, I shouldn't have done that because I just cost my team 15 yards. There's a big difference between a penalty for a late hit or an overly aggressive play versus unsportsmanlike conduct. And I did see the play, and I saw the replay. And the Florida receiver had his hand in in Samuel's grill. He wasn't holding it. He was pushing against his face mask, had his hand on the face mask. And Samuel's knocked it off and then swung at him. I don't have a problem with him knocking the hand off, neither would the officials. But then he took a punch at him which is stupid for two reasons. Number one, it's a penalty. And number two, if you hit him, you're hitting him in the helmet with your bare hand. So it's just not smart for a lot of different reasons. Willie talked about, I mentioned, this tough enough to walk away. And and I apologize, folks, it's been a long day. I'm losing my voice. Tommy, there wasn't a single player I played in the three years that I started who took a cheap shot at me or did something like that by putting their hands on me that didn't get his ass lit up later in the ball game legally. I know how to retaliate you within the rules. That's being tough enough to walk away. That's smart football. You do that crap to me, it might be the next play. It might be the next series. It might be the fourth quarter. But you're going to come across the middle, and I'm going to have a shot on you, and I'm going to make you pay. And that is how you retaliate within the rules. We're using Stanford as Exhibit A, but as I pointed out leading into the conversation, it's existed all year. And so the question becomes, and Willie was asked about it, and his response was, you have to be tough enough to walk away. This team, and we've discussed this this year, this team is mentally soft and, frankly, not physically where they need to be either. The physical part will come in time from being in the strength program for, for more than a few months uh, in the offseason since, since Willie got his, his team in place. 
But mentally, how do you make that change? Well, it starts with discipline. And obviously, uh, we've heard the stories about what happened the last two or three seasons under Jimbo. A culture of entitlement uh, came about. It comes from where you park on campus, uh, what time you show up for meetings, uh, wearing a hat in a building, whether your shirt's tucked in or not, how you conduct yourself uh, when, when coaches are not watching and reports get back. That's all part of the discipline. And it's about players holding other players accountable. Uh, there's a long story. We won't get into it. But at Burt Reynolds Hall, Hall, the dorm after we had Coble Terrace, there was an area there called the Green, which is green patch of grass. And when upperclassmen had issues with underclassmen, they would literally go to the green and they would take care of that problem. And it's the age-old thing when you're, when you're physical education coach, when you're in sixth or seventh or tenth grade and you got in fight during PE, he'd make you both go get boxing gloves and actually get into a fight with each other. And anybody that's ever boxed before, you'll last about a minute and a half. It'll wear you out. But it taught you that what you're doing is selfish. It's not going to achieve anything. In fact, it's going to hurt the team, and it's going to hurt you. You've got to be tough enough to walk away, and if you want to find your retaliation somewhere else, let that be a motivation, but don't do it in a selfish way that costs the team the penalty, and in that case against Stanford, cost a third down stop and force them to a fourth down where they would have attempted a field goal. You just can't do that. What do I as the staff, what do I as other players do to teach these kids how to be tough enough to walk away? Florida State falls 41-14, and it leads to a big-picture conversation. Coach Tagger was asked a lot about uh, what's next, and what's next is recruiting, and he referred to recruiting to guys that um, – the right guys and guys who want to be here which leads to the question, and he'll go through the exit interviews, and, and several guys are moving on. I think there were 17 seniors. But when you look at the underclassmen, are, are all going to be back, or might there be some changes there? It's normal when a coach comes in. I know when Mark Rick went to Miami, uh, you know, after the first 12 or 15 months, they were playing shorthanded because 10 or 12 guys either moved on on their own or were asked to move on, that sort of thing. Whether they do it voluntarily or whether they're asked, and, and obviously if they get asked, you don't publicize that. This next little window is an opportunity for, for Coach Taggart to do exactly what he said he's going to do. He's going to evaluate everybody and everything in the program, including himself, his assistant coaches, and the players. And candidly, there are probably some kids that don't need to be here next year. And I, I appreciate the fact that there needs to be stability and, and somewhat of a guarantee to a player. I played in the era where your scholarship was one year renewable. They literally could not renew your scholarship the next year and you were gone. And there was nothing you can say about it. Not so much in these days, but you certainly can find a way to encourage kids that you don't think fit in your program could go somewhere else. I'm not talking wholesale changes. I'm not talking significant numbers. But to whatever degree Willie and his staff determines that whoever is here doesn't fit, they need to be gone. Now is the time frame and the window to do that. I think maybe the biggest surprise in looking back for Coach Taggart, it, it feels – he, he's been so good in dealing with the media, dealing with 
fans, dealing with boosters, really every step of the way since being hired last December. But the expectations got built so high. He, he did say before the season, you need to see how the team responds when adversity comes. I, I don't know that he could have imagined or planned for how this team would respond or not respond, maybe is a better way to put it, to the adversity when they faced it. Well, I think he knew that based on what he saw from last year, that that squad made up of individuals that made up most of his squad this year did not react to adversity well. But, Tommy, it's the age-old thing. Everybody out there that's a parent or a grandparent knows that you, you just don't know how your children are going to do and be until they're in those situations. You can bring them up one way. You can bring up two siblings in the same household, and one of them will react one way to a set of circumstances, and the other one will react the exact opposite. I don't think Willie understood or appreciated, and nor did I or anyone else, how far removed from what we think the standard should be the bulk of this team was in terms of their attitude. I think that caught him off guard, and he wasn't prepared for it. That's a criticism, not that, that he's not a good coach or he's not insightful. It's just that that's how bad it was, and I don't, I don't think anybody appreciated it. So it's going to take a longer than normal amount of time to correct that. But he says all the right things. Now he has to do all the right things. And I just go back to my earlier comment. Unfortunately, in the world that we live in, because we're so results-oriented, his time frame to do that is much shorter than it would have been 10 or 20 years ago. So, you know, he needs to be about that business from an urgency standpoint, not a panic standpoint, but an urgency standpoint. And candidly, I think he appreciates that and knows that. And I think I think some things will be done as we move forward. May not be as wholesale and as dramatic as the naysayers and those on the far end would want. But I think when we look back on it, we'll see that he did some things, not the least of which was giving up calling plays, not the least of which was understanding that you know, he had to change his offense from what he was trying to accomplish to fit what was able to be done this year. Uh, so he's shown an ability to adapt. Uh, one of the greatest talents that Coach Bowden had was his ability to adapt. Willie has shown a propensity to do that. He's just got to have some success to marry with it so that you look at it and say he knows what he's doing. I think that's well said, and I think coaches nowadays certainly know the stakes that go with the contracts that they sign, and so they're prepared for that. Um, but I think that was well articulated by you, KJ. All right, we'll step aside. Uh, I guess we should actually talk about the game for a few minutes. We'll do that when we continue on Front Row Knowles' first look. Front Row Knowles' first look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Florida State falls to Florida 41-14. Man, it has been a tumultuous couple of years following Florida State football, which A, means uh, we reflect back on how good we had it for a long time, and B, that it's been a tumultuous couple of years for Florida State football. Keith, let's talk about the game for a few minutes, and we'll hear from Alec Eberle uh, coming up in this segment. I thought, as I pointed out at the top of the show, I just got concerned that we'd see things. uh, We'd see the rule instead of the exception, and as it turned out, BC was the exception, and what we saw against Florida was the rule, which was critical penalties, getting behind the chains, special teams mistakes, uh, short, you know, bad field position, just all those things magnified. And, mag- and then uh, 
a two-possession lead for the other team, which the way this year has gone almost feels insurmountable because, truthfully, it, it just about was, save for the Louisville game, I guess. Well, it started with the four, uh, poor field position. Uh, you know, Florida State with the ball backed up in the first series after the penalty, and then I think they took over on the nine and then again on the three. Uh, at one point, Florida State had run 13 or maybe 14 rushing plays and just three pass attempts. Um that certainly changes how Walt Bell looks at the, the play sheet and the play calls. There's no question. A plan, you know, when you're backed up is just horrible. And then you multiply that exponentially by playing behind the chains, never getting into third and short, always having second and long, third and long. And then defensively, you know, Florida State, I think overall we were pleased with the effort from the defense. But you go back to my earlier comment about, you know, success and results. The bottom line is this defense gave up more points this year than any other year in Florida State history, including the 73 season, which they were winless. I know we're in a different era. I know that you've got games in which teams are scoring over 100 points combined. Uh, I get that. But when you combine, no pun intended, the, the poor defense at certain areas and times, FSU turning the ball over, poor field position, and then staying behind the change, I mean, that's just a recipe for losing ball games, which is exactly what Florida State did. I want to be fair here. Florida's the better football team, and they're a team that this year has been methodical. They're not a team that hit many chunk plays. They're more apt to go four and five yards a time and get a long drive on you. So the fact that they hit big play after they hit three big plays in the first half, uh, that's a credit to them. Uh, the safeties, and we can get into this, uh, you know, did not have a great year, certainly did not have a great game, in my opinion. You, you're more an expert than me on that um, in terms of falling for the play action. But all that said, if you don't get an illegal shift penalty on that pass to Cam Akers, Florida State is leading that game at half, 14-13, if everything else plays out exactly the same. And to be fair, it was the correct call. There were some other questionable calls, both in the Florida game and in games prior. Um, but uh, to be fair, it was the correct call. Uh, DJ did not get set, and he did not continue his motion. That's illegal shift, illegal procedure. Um, was it DJ or it was Mooney that moved while DJ was in motion? Uh, well, I, I focused on DJ. If Mooney, if Mooney did move, I did not see that part. But DJ was moving and not in a way of moving like you're in motion. So either one or both contributed to it. Um, the other point is that, you know, we gave up the touchdown pass when the safety fell down. You finally saw a quarterback do the RPO the way it's supposed to be, and Frank's hitting that slant, which went for 30, 35 yards. That's what that play is designed to do. Very tough for a corner to play, and, and Florida executed it perfectly. Give them credit. Um, you combine all that together, and they got some chunk plays. They continued to run the ball well. They're two running backs, even going to the freshman, the third one. I mean, that's a good group of backs. You saw them finding holes. You saw them continuing to move their legs. You saw offensive linemen getting behind them and pushing them, which is legal, for another two or three yards. I mean, that's a good running attack that Florida has. And then Franks made some timely throws and some very accurate throws, and you're just not going to beat a team that does that unless you're doing some exceptional things, and all Florida State was doing was shooting themselves in the foot. I want to go back to the, the idea of Florida State having a 14-13 lead at the half. In light of the 
start of the second half when Florida drove right down the field. And then it snowballed because it should have been a field goal situation instead of uh, the touchdown, which they got due to the Stanford Samuels penalty that we discussed earlier. But how much does that change the psyche, the morale, the feel in the stadium, if that's what it is? I mean, it, it winds up being a 41-14 game. And, and again, or 40, whatever it was, 42-41, I lost track, 42, I guess. Uh, Florida's the better team. But that's the, to me, there, was, there just wasn't juice as much juice in the stadium as I expected. Maybe that's because there were a lot of Florida fans on the sideline. To me, there should have been more coming out of the locker room. Uh, it just seemed like there wasn't as much energy as I expected, considering it was a one-possession game at the start of the second half. Well, you, you, you framed your question by saying, what would it have been like if you were up 14-13? It would have been dramatically different because a uh, little, little inside information for our listeners. Tommy and I are on an intercom with each other. We can talk freely during the ball game that doesn't go out on the air and nobody else hears us. At least we hope. Uh, we think so. <laughs> and you commented after about the second play in Florida's drive, they took the opening kickoff of the second half um, because Florida State had chosen to take the ball in the first half. And you commented to me that the sideline was dead. Well, I, I would tell you it would have been the exact opposite if you're up by one point. And, and so that was a huge chain of events. And then you couple that with Florida State getting uh, Florida getting a touchdown instead of three points. Uh, I mean that was, I mean that was the ball game. That that three, four, five minute o'clock time, in the very beginning of the third quarter is what doomed that game to be what it was. So it would have made a huge difference, in my opinion, had Florida State been able to score and not had that called back. By the way, let's give props to Cam. The touchdown catch he had was a heck of a catch. So kudos there. Okay, let's hear from uh, Alec Eberly, who I spoke with after the game. Uh, it's the end of his career. I know many of our listeners, he, he's probably not your favorite player. He was much maligned, but uh, he played hard. And uh, I always give guys credit for this. Uh, he never was afraid to come speak to the media, win or lose, and that was the case again on Saturday. So here's that uh, conversation with Alec. Alec, uh, we'll go big picture in a second, but in terms of this game, it looked like the plan was to establish the run. You guys stuck with the run as long as you could, and then as the score got out of hand, Obviously, you know, the playbook kind of goes out of the window and you're forced to pass. But, I mean, is that where you were trying to just, just establish a run and keep pounding the rock? Yeah, I mean, you got, everyone knows if you get the run game going, it opens up so much for the offense. And, no, we really worked on it all week. And, you know, we've gotten better each game every week this whole last month. You know, our run game's really stepped it up. And, you know, today I thought we did a good job opening some holes and getting some good runs in there. Once you get down like that, you got to start taking shots. And it's just hard. But, um you know, I'm, I'm proud of these coaches and proud of these players, and uh, I look forward to watching these boys in the next uh, couple of years. One of the issues today, and, and frankly, it, it reared its head just about all season, was the penalties. And today, you know, a penalty offensively wiped out a Cam Akers touchdown, and a penalty defensively, uh, you know, took away a field goal attempt for Florida and led to a touchdown. Uh, is that purely just mental, or to what do you attribute the fact that this team couldn't get over that hump this year? I think that a lot of it has to do with, you know, young guys um, still getting used to stuff. You know, there's no excuses just late in the year to have that many penalties. But um, I think that, you know, as this team grows over the next spring and um, winter, spring and summer, you know, they're going to keep getting better with the discipline. I think that the coaches did a great job this year, you know, with the discipline aspect of things, trying to get better with that kind of stuff. And I think it's just going to get better from here. Um, and I think that these new, these rising seniors, and these rising older, older guys are going to hold everybody accountable. And, you know, get it done. And I think the next year, you know, I think y'all will see a huge decrease in the amount of penalties and the amount of minimal stakes. 
Last year and this year are clearly, you know, low points for Florida State of late. It's not how you wanted to finish, I know. But uh, things can change quickly. So what in your mind as a guy who's on, on the way out now, uh, you know, what will it take for Florida State to get back to being Florida State? Well, you know, I never think – I think that we're always going to be Florida State, of course. But I think that um, a lot has to do with the, uh, the, the, the fact of having to grow up quick and get out there and play. I think that a lot of guys next year are going to step their game up huge. A lot of these guys are young this year. You know, a lot of the guys this year that played had no idea they were going to play. And I think they're going to, after having the experience they had this year and that feeling they just got, I think that those young guys that play this year are going to step it up over this offseason and get everybody right. I think the older guys in position now are going to hold each other accountable, like I said. And I think that, you know, this team's going to continue to grow. I think that although our record may not have shown it this year, I think that we grew a lot as a team. You know, we had a lot of stuff happen to us this offseason. Um, last year, players getting hurt this year. We didn't think we'd get hurt, you know, mixing, matching, playing guys. I think that, you know, they're going to build continuity with the O-line. They're going to build continuity with, you know, whoever's in the backfield and the receivers, everything. You know, we got young guys at receiver, got young guys at back that have promising, promising careers ahead of them. Got guys on defense are going to step it up. I know it. And, you know, I really look forward to watching this team. I think, although it may not seem like it, but I think this year was the groundwork laid out for this program. I think they're going to continue to grow. I have all the faith in Coach Taggart, Coach Bell, Coach Fry, all the offensive coaches, all the defensive coaches, you know, Coach Kelly, Coach Pimp, Coach Barnett, everybody. I think they're going to get these guys right. I think they're going to work their butts off in the offseason. And I think this team is going to be really special next year. I think they're going to give it a shot. And finally, how are you going to remember your time here at FSU? You know, of course, you all know I came in at the highest of the high. I'm going out when it's kind of low, but I'm going to remember this, my career as having no regrets. Uh, I'm glad I came back for my fifth year. Um, I'm glad I had the coaches I had previous four years and this year. And, you know, although it may not seem like it, but, you know, during my career we did a lot of big things and winning the Orange Bowl, going to the Peach Bowl, being the first team in the college playoffs, overcoming things last year and going to a bowl game. This year, although our record may not have shown, like I said, the guys in this team never gave up. And I think that was huge. I think that that was a big growing factor for this team is guys always held, held the ground. You know, if you saw me on the sideline, I was holding up that fist. I was, I was stay tight. All my boys knew that fist means stay tight, stay focused, and I'm, I'm proud of them. And, you know, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm really looking forward to watching these guys grow and, and uh, be special next year. Alec, appreciate your time. I know you're disappointed, but I appreciate that you always were a stand-up guy during your career. Best of luck. Thank you so much. Go Nulls. Again, thanks to Alec for his insight there. And uh, he, he had very positive things to say about the coaching staff and the future of the program, even though he's moving on right now. Uh, I didn't ask him specifically about the offensive line, Keith, but I'll ask you, and Coach Taggart commented on this in the postgame, that the way to fix it is recruiting, but also development of the guys who are here. But how much better can that offensive line get from right now, 2018, to the start of 2019? They can become adequate. Right now they're they're an Achilles heel, but they can come, become adequate to average very quickly. Remember, you've got at least two kids that are playing out of position. Uh, you've got one kid that's hurt that you, you do expect to come back. I'm not sure that, that everybody will be back. You've got uh, some freshmen that you're playing that aren't ready. They need another year in the weight room. They need to gain a little bit of weight. Uh, so they can go from being Achilles heel to being adequate to being average in a season that that's not a big turnaround for me and i know greg fry is a is a product of this university he understands what florida state football is all about he'll get them there this particular year was just an absolute um 
you know, confilation, if that's the right word, of, of everything happening from the standpoint of injuries to, to people leaving uh, to, to uh, you know, just having poor play and put people playing out of position. <clears throat> Pardon me, but I'm not worried about that, Tommy. I, that offensive line can be back to an acceptable level in one season. It may take a year or two or three to get them back to an elite level, but they can get back to an average to adequate level in a season. How long is it going to take us to get back to an average or adequate level? Uh, it depends on how fast I drive now that we're on I-75. Uh, I probably shouldn't share that with our listeners, but that's what we're doing. Noted. We'll continue and finish the show right after this. Stay with us. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles First Look, Tom and Keith, uh, as we finish up and uh, sadly Keith the season is over we're not used to this the calendar still says November and we've got no more Florida State football to look forward to anything else in particular about the game that we should uh, debrief on well I'll uh, the the cheap plug uh, arena I'll give uh, kudos to our prime Meridian Bank performance of the game and we're going to give that to the touchdown reception by Cam Akers uh, remarkable one-handed catch it's a shame he didn't get credit for the other touchdown reception and run that he had but that is your Prime Meridian Bank performance of the game. Prime Meridian Bank, trymybank.com. Convenient locations, two in Tallahassee, one in Crawfordville. Uh, things that they do like mobile banking and remote deposit that is uh, great. Uh, they're my bank. You should try them. Prime Meridian Bank, great home loans, uh, great uh, auto loans, uh, great deposit uh, operations, and uh, just all-around good people. Uh, the cookies aren't bad either, Tommy. The cookies aren't, are pretty good. Noted. Noted. Okay, so nothing else about the game. <laughs> well, I think the big picture takeaway is, is what Willie talked about in his, his post-game press conference, work. They've got lots of work to do, and they need to identify the major th- areas uh, and focus and emphasis, and they can get started on them a little earlier uh, in terms of quote-unquote offseason, uh, get out and recruit, find the type of kids and the quality of kids that they want to bring in and coach them up uh, using that coach speak and uh, just begin the process of, of looking forward. No need, no need in looking back, no need in uh, crying over spilt milk. Uh, the streaks are gone. We need to start new ones. Uh, and uh, the best thing you can do when you're in a hole is work and begin the process of uh, digging out of that hole. And I think and hope that that's what this staff and these players will do as they move forward. I have gotten my glass to half full, Keith. Hear me out on this. I know that 15 bowl practices is something that this team needed. But I could make the counter argument that since the roster is going to turn over and some are likely to be weeded out, and since this team is not nearly as strong as what it needs to be, that maybe skipping 15 practices and getting on the off-season weightlifting regime and program sooner is not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all, and of course, uh, the things that go into what we used to call mat drills, which are the agility and conditioning drills that are done, uh, you can get into those a little easier and a little quicker. Uh, I do think, uh, and you kind of asked this in the prior question, I didn't give you an appropriate answer, there needs to be some staff changes. Uh, I think we would all agree that uh, one of the biggest glaring areas uh, in need of improvement is the um, special teams. I think you've got to reevaluate that. I think you need to take a look at a couple of the position coaches and ask, are they in the right position for their skill level and their talent? 
and I think we've seen some changes that Willie's already been willing to make in terms of giving up play calling and that type of thing. Uh, and I think also uh, Coach Barnett's got to sit down and look at uh, you know how he's configured, uh, particularly on the linebacker position, because basically for the entire season they played with with two defensive backs and the linebacker starters, uh, and DeKalen Brooks and, and Woodby. Uh, they had to do that out of necessity because that was one area that was extraordinarily depleted uh, when Jimbo left. Uh, so they were handicapped there. That'll that'll change a little bit when they get some bigger and, and more suited personnel in there. Uh, but those are the types of things that I hope Willie goes through and is fair, uh, that he's, he's tough on both himself and the staff and the kids and starts looking at what are some of the things and, and that we've got to do uh, to turn this ship around and be willing and, and have the guts and the fortitude to make and implement those changes. And as a result, uh, in regards to the staff, by the way, uh, that's been known to happen before. I remember uh, my junior year, uh, Coach Bowden moved George Henshaw from defensive line to offensive line and ultimately to a coordinator's position. And, and, and that was probably one of the greatest moves that he made because George later on went on to coach for 20 years in the NFL from the offensive side. Uh, he started out as a defensive coach. So making those changes doesn't mean that the coaches are bad. They're just not necessarily in the right position or the right way of taking advantage of their talents. And I do think from a roster standpoint, as has been much talked about, specifically or most specifically about the offensive line and linebackers, you need to get the right depth in there and recruit according to your system and all of that. When you look at the secondary, as it turned out, you mentioned the two guys that were playing out of position at linebacker. Well, then Isaiah Bolden got hurt early in the year. And then later in the year when you made some change, well, Levante Taylor was hurt. And Kyle Myers, who had played significantly, basically he was out of the rotation after some of the changes following the Clemson game. So you were sort of left with not many bodies at that point back there, and that's, that's things that they need to address. Um, we, we started by talking about the bowl game. I'll just finish, and maybe this is just a way of making myself feel better, if not you or others. But the reality is, Keith, we have not experienced this, and, and everybody else has. Alabama's been on top for the last decade, but they went through a decade of changing coaches and not getting it right and missing bowls and struggling. And Oklahoma had that before they found Bob Stoops. And USC has, uh, you know, for all of its greatness in the 60s and 70s, they were rejuvenated under Pete Carroll, and other than that, haven't done too much. Uh, Ohio State went through it before Urban. So, you know, I, I don't know if I'm saying misery loves company. I'm just saying it's the way it works, and now Florida State's got to climb out of it. There's two things that are evident and obvious in the college game. Number one, not a lot of people play defense anymore, so you've got to score points. And number two, it ain't going to last. And Florida State has been on a run that is unequaled in, in, in NCAA history. Well, it's come to an end, gang. And now's the time for us to roll our sleeves up and as a fan base – to continue to be behind and be stronger behind this program. Understand that it's Willie's program, right, wrong, or indifferent. He is our coach. We should support him. Let him have the opportunity to go out and do the things that he knows or believes he knows what to do and how to do it. And let's give him some time in order to implement. And then we can make our hard decisions about whether he's the right or the wrong guy. I do remember this. And after his second year, there was strong, strong talk at an ACC school about doing away with a head coach in another sport, happened to be basketball, but in his second year, 
there was strong, strong talk about firing Coach Krzyzewski because he couldn't get the job done at Duke. Sometimes you just got to give it a little time. Well said as usual. And, and Keith, extra good job today driving, keeping it between the lines as you articulated your points. By the way, as we close out, I'll point out that in a little while, Keith and I will be passing through lovely Wildwood. It's spelled with two Ds but pronounced with one. And I'm still looking for the sign that says home of Keith Jones. Uh, if we pass it tonight, let me know where it is. Uh, understood. Uh, it's not up, but but if, if you happen to see it, it'll be because my mom put it up. <laughs> He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you Wednesday night at 6. So long, everybody.